Welcome to the Millennial Therapist Podcast with Mao and Nao. This podcast is hosted by two millennial therapists who are true crime, forensic psychology, and macabre obsessed. This is not your typical mental health podcast where only mental health and social work topics are discussed. We dabble in various topics from cultural humility to military mental health to ghosts to interesting ways our parents use the paranormal to discipline us. Ed Kukui, anyone? <laughs> Why so many topics? Because we're millennials. To make things more interesting, one is an Air Force veteran and a mom of two, the other is currently serving active duty, and both are children of immigrants working to honor their ancestors. What's up, homies? Thank you for joining us at MTP with Mao and Nao, your favorite millennial therapist and queens of the dark abyss and weird. If this is your first time, welcome. Please subscribe. Stay a while. And if you're returning, you the realist don't ever change. This is Mao, and usually that's Nao, but she had some things to do. So I'm joined by Kelly Driscoll, a YouTuber, podcast host, and skincare and self-care enthusiast. She's the creator and founder of the Journey Self-Care Podcast, and she shares the same interest in wellness, mental health, and murder. So she is a friend of the podcast. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us and being a co-host for this episode. I'm so appreciative of you reaching out and connecting. I love that we have our community out there, and I'm so excited to do this with you because you shared again loving the true crime world so i'm hella hype can you tell the homies more about how you got into self-care your youtube podcast and true crime yes hi hi homies um <laughs> i'm kelly and i am so excited to be here like thank you for having me on i'm super excited about this collab because it literally is all of the things I'm interested in, which kind of like your intro, it's like, why so many topics? It's like, because that's what I'm into. Yeah, I'm a millennial. Leave me alone. Yeah, no, I'm a millennial. I, I so am. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm a YouTuber. I talk mostly about skincare and beauty on YouTube. And I got started in that. Well, it's kind of funny, like, and I talk about this on my podcast, but I got started back in 2013 because I had this dream that, like, I was going to be a YouTuber after graduating college. Yes. And then life got kind of hard. Adulting got kind of real. Yeah. And I yeah. kind of gave up, did some, you know, did some other stuff for a couple mm -hmm. of years, came back to YouTube and just really kind of hit my stride with skincare and self-care and mm -hmm. things just really took off from there, which is amazing. And I just started my podcast this year, which is, you know, it's my opportunity to take the beauty and skincare, you know, further than just products mm -hmm. and really go deeper into why we, you know, want to pamper ourselves, why mm -hmm. we want to take care of ourselves. How can we do that in a more deep and meaningful way. So yeah, the journey of self-care podcast is where I get to do that. And I'm excited to have you on for our episode as well. And true crime. Wow. I mean, I remember reading all about like mostly serial killers yep. have been like my kind of gateway into the true crime Same. world since I was a really young kid. Like young teens and stuff. And I'm sure your listeners will relate to this when a uh, crime library went down. <laughs> that was my favorite website on the internet, like crimelibrary.com. And then it like, it, it just disappeared one day yeah. a couple of years ago. And they had the best, most in-depth, like if you really mm -hmm. wanted to go deep and find details, you couldn't find anywhere else without like going to the library and getting the book. 
that was it. And um, fun fact, I am from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, hometown to Jeffrey Dahmer. So, <laughs> Oh, little hometown. Yeah. <laughs> and Wisconsin, we have Ed Gein as well. So, yeah. I mean, there's a we, pattern. we got it all around <laughs> us if you really wanted inspiration. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. And I, lo- I love kind of like the golden thread of skincare and self-care, right? Because yeah. it is so important to have both for me it sticks out is it is a way to pamper and care for yourself and prioritize yourself right it's not Mm -hmm. just this vain thing of like oh i want to look young forever but it's like allowing yourself to take time to do that and i love the name of the journey um the podcast the journey because that's that's what it is right we find things that work for us we find things that don't and then we also like find why we do things right like a big piece for Nao and i why we really connected and started the podcast was decolonizing journey and Mm -hmm. unlearning and like Mm -hmm. the journey of taking care of ourselves and that empowerment and liberation of like i'm doing it for me i'm not doing it to be more productive Um, i'm resting because i want to rest i'm working more efficiently so i could rest more like i literally told the client that i was like don't rest so you could do more work rest work smarter so you can go to sleep so you can nap yeah yeah and it is it's that journey of learning about yourself as you kind of go through i mean like i always say you know you can make skincare as deep or not as deep as you want to whatever makes you happy is really what you should be following is your bliss with that but Mm -hmm. you actually can go that deep with it and you really can get more in touch with yourself and learn more about yourself and actually kind of give yourself permission and teach yourself how to take a break, how to slow down, how to treat yourself well, just in the same way that you're treating your skin, you can Mm -hmm. treat your soul. Mm -hmm. And so many of us actually do need to be taught that we need to teach ourselves that because our society does not give us that permission that that message doesn't, you know, come across very often. Absolutely. And as you talk about that kind of makes me think about how I'm slowly tapping into skincare as a way to connect with my ancestors and my culture. Mm. You know, if you think of Gua Sha, right? Gua Sha has been around for thousands of years and it's hitting mainstream now because of, again, capitalism. Yeah. But just things like that of like, oh my God, I grew up doing this, not knowing, you know, that it'd be so popular now and it's been on the the back end because it was more so my parents doing it and then I picked up on it and then stopped. So yeah, just using that a way to reconnect. Yeah, it's like I said, it can be as deep as you want it to be. But I think for a lot of a lot of us, it can be kind of that gateway into unlocking a lot of information about ourselves and going on that journey. Yeah, thank you again. So I'm so excited for this. This is a wild one. Kelly was like, oh, I'm thinking about doing, you know, like mental health, social media episode for her podcast. So make Mm -hmm. sure you head over to her podcast. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have a perfect one to talk about too, because it is very social media related. So it is something I actually never heard about. And it, it, it happened not, I mean, not too, too, I mean, oh my gosh, it's almost 10 years ago. Um, but Buckle up. Yes. <laughs> it's going to be a wild ride. <laughs> yes. You keep up too, because if we lose you, it's because the story is so wild. It took place in a quiet community of Mountain City, Tennessee. So that is Northeast Tennessee, right by the Appalachian Mountains. Very small. For decades, it had only 2,500 residents. 
Then on January 31st, 2012, two killers crept into the home of 36-year-old Billy Payne and his 23-year-old fiance, Billy Jean Hayworth, and through an unlocked back door, they gunned down the couple and slipped away unseen. And this was something this this town has never, ever experienced, ever heard of, even thought about. The residents will say, everyone is friendly, everyone knows everyone, and if you pass someone in the street, you stop to talk to them, as most southern towns are. They had mentioned, you know, perhaps every few years it'd be a domestic incident, but not a home invasion like this, not an execution. And the wild thing was that there was no physical evidence left at the scene. No DNA, no bullet casings, no fingerprints. However, as the police investigated the murders, a convoluted story of love, jealousy, cyberbullying, and catfishing emerged. Yes, in the sleepy town of Mountain City, Tennessee, that considered itself friendly. So friendly that it's written on their welcome to Mountain City sign as one would enter the place. But the town was not so friendly to outsiders. Or so claims a sheltered young woman who moved there in 2005 at the age of 23. So, who is Janelle? Who is Janelle? Janelle is a very big, big character in this story. In 2009, Janelle became Facebook friends with some of the Mountain City locals, including Billy Payne, who was the victim of murder. He was described as a really nice guy, had time for everybody, just very wholesome and inclusive. Janelle, on the other hand, was considered as a bit of a loner. She had always lived with her parents and never had a job, and she didn't interact much with the community and didn't have many not growing up from that town. She also didn't... Because Janelle was not from Mountain City. Correct. Yes. Right. They had moved from Pennsylvania, I want to say. Yeah, I think it was Philadelphia. Yep, they moved from Philly in 2005, so she was fairly new to the base. Yeah. And she was already in her like early, mid-20s. Mm-hmm. Town of 2,500, you know everybody, like everybody's business. You grew, literally grew up with them going to the same yep. one school, I bet. <laughs> and it's like hard yeah. to make friends, like even in, as a young adult, Yep. It's really hard to make friends. And if you're in a small town like that, too, you know, everybody has their built in friendships from high school, middle school, even elementary school. Everybody already knows each other. And the parents know each other. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. like really hard to get in there. You know, it's really yeah. hard to to do that. But it sounds like Janelle was also somebody who is very socially awkward as well. She had quite a few health problems. She was living with her parents. She hadn't really had a job. Mm -hmm. Um, So she definitely had... She didn't have her license. Right. Yeah, she couldn't drive. And so she had a lot kind of like working against her when it came to making friends, I think. It was difficult for her to connect with people. But then, yeah, throw in that small town and it's like, (laughs) good luck, kid. (laughs) Good luck. Yeah. And, you know, on top of that, she was almost six feet tall and had a very childlike voice, which made her a target for bullying. So on top of being brand new, she had a 
could be a really traumatic history of yeah. being bullied, right? It sounds like so, it, from her, from what I read about her being in high school, it sounds like the people were pretty mean to her. She had some mm-hmm. learning disadvantages too that kind of ha- like held her back. So you That's can right. see how kids could just like jump on something like that. I think she had type one diabetes, which is really difficult to manage, yeah. especially as a kid. So. Yeah, I mean, she's already set up to be the outsider, the loner. Like mm-hmm. you said, she has a lot working against her. And um, it just seemed like she was a very lonely young woman. Yeah. And so at this point, you know, she made a few friends through Facebook, which was nice. So she was living at home with parents who were actually pretty strict and very sheltering, right? Like overprotective. But there was the internet and Facebook. On her Facebook profile, it read, I am a very sweet, caring person. I love life and love to make others laugh. So she eventually made friends with a group of locals, which included Billy Payne, which I talked about earlier, had a really Mm -hmm. good reputation as being super nice to everybody. And for the first time in her life, Janelle felt like she belonged. And she had also made friends with Tracy, who happened to work at the pharmacy that Janelle would go to with her mom. Um, I think they connected that way. So there was another connection that way. Mm-hmm. And, and Tracy was Billy's sister? I think sister, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sis- and she kind of orchestrated. Like, she almost, like, brought Janelle in and was like, I'm going to help you make yeah. friends. Like, she, she yeah. felt bad for her. For sure. Which was really nice of Tracy. Yeah. And then she made that effort. And then she met Billy and I think really took to Billy because he was so nice. Mm-hmm. And we have a witness saying that that may have been the beginning of her obsession with billy yeah so billy seemed like that outgoing super fun kind of is friendly to everybody life of the party Mm -hmm. kind of guy so it makes sense you know Mm -hmm. in in that town where there's not that many people he seems like a really exciting kind of guy and yeah yeah, and he was he was cute like you know he wasn't like a creeper looking he was small town cute. <laughs> yes, he was Mountain City. Cute. He was Mountain City handsome. <laughs> Sorry, Tennessee. <laughs> um, yeah, so she yeah, she was like she was down for it. Other than living or other than having this new social group of friends, she had her parents who were wildly overprotective. Yeah. yeah. They were super strict in, like, watching over all of her activities. And if we remember, she was, like, 23, 24 at those times. That I wonder how much of enabling. Yeah, how much of an enabling. Mm-hmm. And it's very reminiscent of our Gypsy Rose. Yes. I mean, not to this extent. But if you guys haven't listened to that one, that one is also a wild one where the mother was, you know, seemed like a very caring person, mm-hmm. but ended up having her own psychological issues that greatly impacted the daughter. But, yes, with kind of the same realm of being super overprotected so a little bit about her parents so marvin also known as buddy and barbara potter they had lived in pennsylvania earlier maybe where he grew up nonetheless her father was a former marine who served in vietnam and later worked with the cia before retiring to a quiet life barbara had a job with hewitt packard she essentially only had her parents and luckily tracy greenwell befriended her i guess they met like through the pharmacy where she worked when she was like picking up her prescription medication which was really sweet so billy is tracy's brother like you said they started hanging out but instead of billy Payne, so tracy wanted to essentially like hook 
Janelle up with somebody because she was a single gal. Like, mm-hmm. she was of age, right? So she ended up setting Janelle up with her cousin, Jamie Curd, because he was single. But in secret, because she didn't want her parents to know. Because she was not allowed to date. I mean, like... Yes, at 23. Let's, let's <laughs> like, emphasize how strict her parents were. And overprotective, mm-hmm. too. Probably because of her health issues. Probably because she had some learning disadvantages and things, too. I think they were just really concerned for her. You know, some parents want their kids to learn how to do it themselves. And some parents want to, yeah. like, do it for their kids. And I think that oh yeah, Barbara and Buddy were like, we'll do it for you. We'll take care of you. You don't need to handle like, You don't need to know how to do these things. Like, it's just too <laughs> right. much for you. And yeah, so she you don't need boys. She had like a curfew. I mean, 20 something woman. She had a curfew. She was not allowed to date. I don't think they allowed her to drive. She didn't know how to anyways. She didn't have a job. She literally was just in the house with them. And they also also were at that point in time unemployed. Both of her parents Mm. were. So she didn't have any free time. She wasn't alone ever. They're always Mm. there. So Facebook was became really an escape. Yeah. That's a good point, too, is like how much of her sickness or her illness was an excuse for them to keep reins on her. Yeah. Of course, like, you want to be protective, but also, like, let a bitch live. Yeah, and I think... <laughs> like, she needs to get I, crunked. I think we can, like, start to, like, make conclusions about her state of mind once we get through the story and once you guys hear the end and everything that has happened because I think so much of the story really does inform where her parents were at, where Janelle was at, and... um Yes. It's hard to take the story at face value once you hear everything, you know, because it is that wild. (laughs) And this is why I love having these conversations, because it really does bring more perspective, right? Again, we're never going to justify murder. For me, why I got into this was like, why? What led you to Mm. that? But as we unpeel and and really look at the bigger picture, I'm not gonna lie, it makes sense, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Even as we're talking now, I'm like, holy shit, that's right. <laughs> so so she started dating Jamie, mm-hmm. and Jamie was like 40-something, and, you know, she was 23, so that was like mm-hmm. her first boyfriend and everything. And he would come to the house a lot under the pretense of fixing their computer. Like, how broke is your computer if he's there, like, every day? Yeah, I see. I was reading this, too, and they're like, well, he would often fix the family computer. And I'm just like, what's happening to your computer, though? (laughs) Like, I don't think I've ever had anyone fix my computer. No, what is he fixing? Is he opening it up? Is he just, like, playing on it? Like, yeah, which I thought was, like, really funny. Because he was there, like, all the time like you y'all didn't know you didn't know right so it's maybe like that sense of denial mm-hmm. and just following year when billy started dating billy jean things took a very dark turn during this time janelle accused the group of unfriending her on facebook and of bullying her so the group is you know billy billy jean tracy Um, Not Jamie, because she was dating Jamie. So, yeah, those folks. She told her parents that her new friends were threatening to rape her, that they were making, they were constantly making prank phone calls. They were driving the house to intimidate her. And, and, like, the reports that she was making was, like, really, really intense. Constant, constant harassing. Yeah, just, like, taking over her life. Really dark stuff. Uh, Yeah, they were going to 
rape her, dismember her, like really, really gory stuff, harassing Mm -hmm. her, driving by her house. They think they were threatening to like blow up her dad's truck, throwing rocks. Like it was like a really intense bullying situation that that was occurring. Yeah. And they were saying like, oh, we know she's a virgin. So that was like a big piece of why they wanted to rape. Yeah, it was weird. We didn't expect that. And also, she told... I have to say this without laughing. <laughs> so rude. So Janelle told Buddy and Barbara that her friends were jealous of her because she was too pretty. Mm-hmm. It was a jealousy situation. Yeah, it was like this huge jealousy thing. Mm-hmm. However, according to Billy, Billie Jean and their friends, it was Janelle who was harassing them. That's interesting. Um... So all of that, they stopped being friends. Yeah, and there's so much more. Like, I didn't even include the dialogue and all of the stuff that was going back Mm -hmm. and forth. Janelle and her parents would go to the police to report that this was happening. And the police was like, we don't have any proof, Mm -hmm. you know. Can't do anything because it literally is all hearsay. Yeah, and this was a situation where Janelle had met Billy Payne. She got a crush on him. He seemed... You know, he seemed like the cool guy. Of course, she had a crush on him, Mm -hmm. but he was not interested in her. Then a little bit later on down the line, he gets this girlfriend, Billie Jean. These names, Mm -hmm. the Billies. (laughs) So Billy and Billie Jean hook up and they're like really Mm -hmm. into each other. It seems like they're they're committed. They're in this relationship. They seem really committed to each other. Billy is not really interested in Janelle at all. So she hooks up with Jamie Kurt, who is actually the cousin of Billy Payne and Tracy. Of Billy. Yeah, it's yes. I think it's it's this is the first time when you sent me this story, the first time I read it, I was like, I don't know who all, I can't keep track of all these people and these relationships. <laughs> and it's just and it's about to get wilder, guys. So buckle. Up. I just want to like underline these relationships here. So she hooks up with Billy's cousin instead. Because if she can't have Billy, she might as well have the cousin, right? Yeah, I mean, he's single, you know, she's single, kind of not? been there. You can't get the guy, so you get the guy's friend, right? Yeah, no, I can't hate. <laughs> so you can be around the guy. Yeah, close enough. <laughs> That's fine. My husband doesn't listen to this anyways, no. <laughs> so when the bullying started, Janelle claims that Billy Jean and Billy Jean's friends are bullying her. You know, she's saying that Janelle's too pretty. Billie Jean is threatened mm-hmm. by Janelle's beauty. Yes. And her, you know, she looks like a model. She looks like Linda Evangelista. <laughs> She's so beautiful. Um, She's making Billie Jean seem like a hating ass bitch, too, right? She's like, yeah, so this is all goes back to, like, this crush on Billie and Billie not being interested in Janelle actually entering into this r- romantic relationship with Billie Jean and all of the bullying and everything starts around this time and it is a it's a janelle says that billy jean did it billy jean says janelle did it so like what's really going on here what is going on because to summarize that very very briefly they're friends they get into a feud they unfriend each other but that's not where it ended it was only a few days later that billy and billy jean were found dead in the house that they shared they actually end up having a seven-month-old baby mm-hmm. together. And that baby was found sitting in a pool of Billie Jean's blood. Oh. 
And there were bruises on the young couple's body that showed that they were beaten before they were shot dead, which is so, so sad. So like we, like I mentioned earlier, there were no evidence, physical evidence, right? No um, bullet casings, no fingerprints, no DNA. But as they were investigating, they had learned that there was a feud because remember, 2,500 people in that town, people start to know everybody's business and it doesn't take that much. So then the police turned their focus towards the Potter family. Like, okay. So they're looking at the Potter family for the, for the death of Billy, Billy Jean. They go and question Janelle and her parents, and they all expressed sad and shock of the murder, but told the police that they only wanted the bullying to stop and would never resort to such a violence like this. So they take Jamie in for questioning, who was Billy's cousin, and they interrogate him. You can actually watch the video. It's obviously on YouTube because like, YouTube has everything. And he sits there and he's asking, um, is the CIA here? And they're like, what, what Why? the fuck? Why would the CIA be here? <laughs> That's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, like you're not that important. But, but also another important part of this story is that Buddy, I mentioned, was in the CIA. And he would tell everybody he was in the CIA. He would talk about all these missions and all of this. And come to find out, Homeboy was never in the CIA. Surprise. So he had this like delusion. Yeah, he had this like huge delusion about being the CIA. And what I've learned is if people tell you everything about the CIA or they like tell you their whole life story that they were in the CIA, most likely they weren't in the CIA. Operatives. <laughs> Let's talk about Buddy. This nice. is a good time because yeah, I know some stuff about this guy now. Okay, I agree with you because that's what I was thinking too, but I didn't know for sure. If you say you're in the CIA. Isn't like the first rule of the CIA? Yeah, it's like almost like Fight, Club. It's yeah. like Fight Club. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just like Fight Club. So, buddy, he he's a Marine. He served in Vietnam, and he actually claims to have quite a few different medals. He he has the medals. Mm-hmm. He's been photographed with them. Um, he talks about these heroic actions that he he had done to earn these medals. Um, but it turns out that he's actually claiming the heroic actions of somebody else. He's falsifying his mm. his military record, and he even falsified his <gasps> honorable discharge discharge papers to show that he had earned these medals that somebody else had, which is a huge thing you don't do in the military. That is just really, really bad. Yeah, it's stolen valor. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's becoming illegal, like, per court, per national law, federal law, I don't know, something like that. But yeah, that's that's just such a douchebag move. <laughs> Right there, I mean, that's just kind of a red flag. But he also, mm-hmm. yeah, then he said after Vietnam, he started to work with the CIA. And this is what he has told his wife and his family um, for years and years and years. But he had a back injury, and so he's on disability now, and he can no longer work. You know, around the time when the feud was happening and when they had moved to Mountain City, he would sometimes drop in on the local sheriff and just let them know that the CIA wanted him back for duty and any day now, you know, he was going to get his call for duty or 
a yeah. mission or something, and that this was just like a courtesy call, just to let you know CIA was um, was in the area. This dude as well. There's more. <laughs> you put no. you put me down this rabbit hole. <laughs> I know. I'm so glad. I'm so. Happy. So this guy, he has guns galore. Guns everywhere. Guns in the kitchen. Guns in the living yeah. room. Guns in the bedroom. He has like ammo, like draped over his oxygen tank. Oh my god! I see that picture. Oh, that is. So bad. This dude was strapped 24-7. He did not leave mm-hmm. the house without his guns. He was, like, gardening with guns. You know, I'm going to keep with the alliteration here. <laughs> I love it. This, he was, he, yes, he was into his military record enough to mm-hmm. overblow what, what his service was. He said he was right. in the CIA. He clearly was not. But this was a big part of the backstory that he had created essentially for himself and all of these weapons and combat and the glory of his past years. Mm -hmm. That was a big part of Janelle's father. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, I thought it was like, let's talk about Buddy for a second because he's a really interesting character. He is, which then makes sense why Janelle kind of has similar tendencies to be to how she is so yeah speaking of cia yes <laughs> during all of this bullying right that janelle was experiencing from billy jean and billy and tracy and that friend group there was a guy she had like this guardian angel chris mm-hmm. he was in the cia he actually was a cia agent at that time connected with janelle i think they went to school together and was like catching up with her and she told him what was happening so he's like oh my gosh like I, I i'm gonna get these people like this is not okay so he reached out to her parents and was letting him, them know like i you know i'm gonna take care of your daughter like this is um what's happening but i got you and then weirdly enough like Jan- uh chris would also email jamie and tell him like how lucky he was to be with Janelle and that like he should treat her right and every time they got into a fight surprisingly like this Chris knew and he would like email Jamie and be like you should be nice to Janelle so he like he had her back he was like her ride or die he was like super involved in her life you know from across the globe or wherever he was at you know he was very very interested in her what was going on in her life and he was very mm-hmm. involved, um, mm-hmm. especially around the time that the online bullying was happening, because yeah. this was all happening like on like a message board for like, yeah, it was called topics. But I'm not familiar with what that what that was or what that is. Yeah. But to me, it kind of seems like a like a community message board or something. That's right. Yeah, because you could see the post and the Chris mm-hmm. would be like, leave her alone. She's amazing. Yeah, he would yeah, like he would get in it. He would get in. Yeah. He would actually insert himself into the right. situation. Those conversations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that makes sense why Jamie was, is the CIA here? Right. Because, because of this Chris guy. Yeah, this Chris guy who he had been in contact for a while. So when they probed him more, they're like, what are you talking about? Jamie revealed that he had been texting with someone named Chris, who was a CIA operative, and his job was to protect Janelle at all costs. So there's this Chris character, right? This guy mm-hmm. that comes there. About two months later, after they find Billy and Billy Jean, the police arrest Janelle and Barbara. 
okay. There's a, I want to say it's a psychologist, like a forensic psychologist, a psychiatrist that did the evaluation is quoted, I'd never encountered anyone like Janelle before, and I felt ill-prepared to psychoanalyze her. Wow. That's huge. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge statement to say, like, my training and my professional yeah. experience is not prepared me for her for this yes <laughs> yeah. and, and you would not expect that because no. you watch the videos and she's very meek and she talks like this and she's very sweet mm-hmm. but my dude buckle up because there's a, we're off for another ride <sighs> yeah yeah so her lawyers claimed that her intelligence was the equivalent of a fifth grader or a 10 year old and to an extent the psychologist agreed with her with that because mm-hmm. You look at her Facebook, it's full of puppy dogs and hearts. But she was also horribly vicious and knew how to manipulate people. Mm-hmm. This is what the psychiatrist or psychologist says. He continues, he or she, I didn't get the full name, says that Barbara, Buddy, and Jamie are not sophisticated people. And they are easily misled by Janelle, who knew which buttons to press. Yeah. So Janelle... Janelle is kind of starting to come out as less of a victim and more as a puppet master, maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Which is interesting because this narrative that was like presented before was that Barbara and Buddy were super overprotective and... I mean, she's this young, innocent, younger than her age, naive... Right girl who can't make friends who's shut up in the house who you know has a lot of a lot of health issues and things that yeah her parents are super overprotective of her and she just finally starts to get her secret boyfriend she's starting to open up in her world and then all this bullying Mm -hmm. starts to happen right because she's too pretty pretty. she's too pretty (laughs) yeah um but if we look at her web, right, Jamie yeah. was lonely and vulnerable to this younger mm-hmm. woman that's, you know, all of a sudden giving him attention. He was significantly older than her. He kind of looks like her dad. in the. I thought he was the dad in the pictures when I first looked at this, but that it yeah. was he's, he's kind of a rough looking dude. <laughs> Yeah, he's 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 no Billy. Sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're no Billy. <laughs> he's no Mountain City Billy. Um <laughs> No, but it, it it's it's interesting now that we're kind of coming to like the turning point where maybe Janelle has actually played a role in this and maybe yeah. other people have been taking for a fool because the power dynamic generally with an older male and a younger female that's not usually the dynamic here. Right. Um, but it, it is interesting that, you know, the the boyfriend, the one she caught, you know, mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. somebody who was significantly older than her, but was somewhat inexperienced. And right. And vulnerable. Vulnerable. Like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he sounded like he was like really into her and, and cared about her. So he, yeah. was, he was down to, you know, take care of her. Mm-hmm. And especially having this, this CIA operative also saying like, hey, you need to take care of her. The, Jamie's like, yeah, I got to protect her. Yeah. So it comes out that her mom, Barbara, was also very lonely and vulnerable. Oh, sorry. No, she's not vulnerable. <laughs> She's not not vulnerable. (laughs) No, but she's lonely probably. (laughs) But no, she had her own kind of mental health disorder. I guess there was a history of her having a lot lot of 
this is my words, like delusional thoughts. Like she yeah. always thought that there was like some type of controversy going on or conspiracy. She was like fixated on conflict. So I think she really, she also really leaned into this like bullying. Like she was also very, like she instigated a lot with this group of friends. Like she kind of thrived she in it. She seemed like the kind of person, yeah, who thrives on drama, maybe even a little paranoia kind of creates the drama in yes. their mind and then kind of acts out from that but it's like it's you're like coming in at a 10 and it's like a three situation <laughs> yeah. i feel like that's barbara that is and it's it's fascinating because you know when you read when you like kind of read start to read into this this story and they introduce the potters and it's buddy and barbara and janelle and they're this nice tight-knit super close family there is actually another sibling christy they have an older daughter that's right a firstborn who did not move with them to Mountain City, Tennessee, mm-hmm. because she got her degree, she got a job, she got an apartment, she got the fuck out of there. <laughs> it sounds like because she yes. is just not down with this family at all. Mm. And she had really harsh things to say about Barbara herself. Mm. She said that Barbara was delusional, irrational, and, you know, she was just really difficult mom to handle. Mm-hmm. She also said that she really could feel that and this seems like a typical sibling thing to say but she could feel that all of her parents attention was on janelle the whole time she was growing up she could feel very much like wow the second favorite child essentially so it's really interesting to hear that perspective of somebody who got who was in that family who got out of that family and is saying like even growing up barbara was manipulative mm-hmm. delusional mm-hmm. she was kind of cray cray yeah. right like that the, she felt mm-hmm. that her mom was not stable stable <laughs> yeah for i sure. guess and that she had to get away yeah i think she, you're right yeah absolutely i'm glad you brought her up because now that i look at back at what we watched like i think she left at like 17 or 18 right like she like went mm-hmm. off for school and just never came back good for you girl asap yeah, yeah. good for you yeah so that's really telling of this family mm-hmm. dynamic mm-hmm. and the way that they think and just how this all led to where it is. Like, it could have been preventable, yeah. but in their mental state, this was the right thing to do. Like, this was mm-hmm. still, we'll go into it. I'm not going to spoiler. <laughs> yeah, we're really kind of like, we're kind of painting the picture of a shared delusion. Yes. yes, which is a... Right, and Christy did not play into this game, so Christy got yeah, out. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's a great point of, like, shared delusion, which is actually being brought up more of, like, that's, like, with cults, right? That's shared delusion, mm-hmm. shared paranoia, shared, what's the word, like, hallucinations. Like, that is actually mm-hmm. a phenomenon that happens. So it does make a little more sense about what's happening here. Because we hear it in Buddy, too, right? He is delusional about the CIA career yeah. that he had. Yeah, he's built up his heroic backstory with the military and with the CIA. And, yeah, we start to see how the the rest of the family is maybe supporting that, playing into that, believing that, and how that's kind of trickling down. Yeah, It's interesting. So, okay, so we're getting a little ahead, I think. So the police are questioning Jamie, and Jamie brings up this CIA guy, Chris. Mm -hmm. And so the police are like, what's going on? Who is this guy? Um, 
And at this point, do we have a confession um, or do we have no, any like nothing? Clue? It's just Jamie saying that there was that there was a Chris that they talked about. So I have okay. some information on him. And if you do, you have some some notes on this, Chris. So Chris seems like, like we said before, he seems like a really interesting person who um, was really involved in Janelle's life. And not only was he involved in Janelle's life, he started to become really close with Barbara. Mm -hmm. He started talking with Janelle's mom a lot. And it's interesting reading into their communications that he started to call her mom. Yes. And she was calling him son. And the way they found out about this communication was that so they they got a search warrant for the house and the car, and that's how, like um, Kelly had mentioned, they found his whole arsenal of weapons everywhere. <laughs> and there was either, there was further incriminating evidence that showed photos of the victims, and Barbara, in a moment of desperation, tear, tried to tear up the photos, and there were, like, the words, like, bit written over Billie Jean's face. But with the emails... There was a bags of shredded papers, so shredded printouts of these emails that he had, like that the family had, mm-hmm. and this poor, dedicated detec- detective agent, an actual person, spent, I think it was like 400 hours putting the shredded paper back like a puzzle. Like, I want to I wanna give, I think it was a, a woman agent also of course, of course it was, it was. <laughs> like big the biggest fucking props and ups to her you you're yeah. the real mvp because without that we would not know about chris because no so this so this story does not come together and i'm sure like it has not come together yet in your minds yet until we get these emails yes, <laughs> yes. these emails these are printed out emails that were shredded in these trash bags that were found in buddy's truck mm-hmm. when the police went to search the house so first of all okay if you have something to hide, please go the furthest step to actually dispose and not just like put them in the truck for a later. And like, don't. Date. Why are you like, printing? Good job. But why are you printing? You're wasting well, <laughs> trees. Stop wasting trees. Right. Well, first of all, you printed it, so that's kind of dumb. I mean, okay, but you realize that like printing them does not like take it out of the computer. Oh it's like not. What if that's what they're, they're like, we're deleting it. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so, okay, that was kind of mean because I think maybe <laughs> Buddy did not know how to use yeah. the computer, so maybe Barbara was printing this off and showing him so he could read. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> but I'm still going to stick by what I said oh, was yeah. you shredded it, but you didn't throw it, like, you didn't throw it away, you didn't burn it, you didn't dispose of it, like, take it to the landfill. What, guys, come on. I mean, pour some water on it. How obvious some of this stuff is, it just mm-hmm, gets me mm-hmm. so mad in this case. Barbara is tearing up stuff in the living room while they're searching her house. It's like <laughs> this desperate attempt to hide evidence. It's just, why are you keeping this around your house anyway? She's got right. printed out pictures from Facebook of Billie Jean right. with like slut and Billie's whore mm-hmm. written on it. I mm-hmm. mean, mm-hmm. guys, think a little bit further ahead here. I mean... Yeah, and that speaks to their, like, inability to even rationalize and make yeah. a- any accountability, right? Because yeah. everything that they're doing is because they're being wronged. Because yeah. other people, the other people are doing this to them. So this is just in defense to what's happening. And Chris is going to protect them. 
True. Yes. You know, it seems like it it sounds like Chris was like, whatever you do, I will protect you. I will get the CIA CIA involved. And I think that that's a big reason why they're saying, like, is the CIA here? Because, you know, Janelle had this protector for this whole time. So whatever they did, it would have been okay because Chris said it was going to be okay. Oh, that's such a good point. So I I think that's actually probably a big part of this story is they thought that they were going to get away with it because they had this protector. Yeah, that makes sense. They find these shredded emails that an agent painstakingly taped yeah. back. And it's like literally shredded. I can't get over that. Shredded strips of paper. I know. I know. Uh, but this is what cracks it open. So they seize the family's computer in addition to that. And they find hundreds mm-hmm. more messages between Barbara and jamie and the cia agent so chris had started emailing them around the time billy and billy jean got engaged claiming to be an old school friend of janelle who's watching over her he emailed barbara so often exchanging photos of himself and sharing details about his life like the fact that he was a widower who like janelle loved dogs that she eventually started calling him son and signing off as mom And as Janelle's feud with the two victims escalated, Chris claimed to have insider knowledge that Billy and Billie Jean were evil, that he was a drug dealer, that she was a whore and wanted to rape Janelle because she was a virgin and cut off her head, and that they had to be stopped at all costs. So Barbara, Buddy, and Jamie agreed to do what was necessary to protect Janelle. And Barbara even wrote, we've had enough. We want peace and no one wants to kill anyone, but we will. Fun. <laughs> this is how did we get here? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. It's just it's it's so it's just it's so messy. So what happens <laughs> is this whole online, you know, bullying situation starts to escalate. We forgot to talk about the rocks, which was such a st- just another kind of stupid thing that happened in this whole story where they're, the, the feud is starting to escalate and Janelle is saying that uh, Billie Jean and her friends are driving by the house. They're throwing rocks. They're they're going to, you mm-hmm. know, they're threatening to do all this terrible stuff. They call the cops. The cops come out. They find these rocks that were thrown at the house with the names <laughs> Billie Jean and Billie Payne right. written on them. And they're not even like, they're not even like the rocks right. that you would just be like, here's right. a rock, let's throw it at their house. It looks like a crafting rock that maybe you got at Michael's that you have your kids paint and write their names on <laughs> it. It's like the most perfect, smooth, beautiful rock with the names of the perpetrators on it. And also, there's a third rock that says, I'm your Huckleberry. What? Yeah. <laughs> this third rock. So it's Billy Jean, Billy, and then I'm your Huckleberry. No, I've heard so many different theories about what I'm your Huckleberry means, but yeah. I guess the consensus is I'm your Huckleberry means I'm your man or okay. I'm the man. I'm the man for the job. I'm your oh, guy, okay. which is really fascinating. And there's like two ways that you could take this. But anyways, I mean, it's just it's just. Just the weirdest kind of like if you were gonna throw a rock at somebody's house, you wouldn't put your name on I'm it not and be like, "Yeah, my name I on did it." it. Yeah. yeah, like I did it. Yeah. It was me, 
Kelly. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. I'd write somebody else's name on it. Right. So that was kind of like another strange thing that happened. So this bullying thing's escalating. The police are getting yeah. involved. A few days before the murder, Billie Jean is, is pumping gas um, into her car. She's got ty- baby Tyler in the car. And mm. Barbara and Janelle have been following her. They get out of the car and they start verbally harassing her, like getting really, really rough with her. Like, I don't know what they were saying. Like, leave her alone. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Why are you bullying? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. The gas station attendant comes on, like, get out of here. So they drive off. Then Billie Jean has this, like, harassment suit that she files against um, Barbara and Janelle, but it gets thrown out of court because they're like, this is stupid. You know, this is, Mm. they didn't even get a restraining order or anything. I don't know where that falls in the timeline, but it's within a month, two months or something of of the murders. So the murders, a neighbor finds Billy Payne shot in the head, right in the head, and his Mm -hmm. throat was slashed. They find Billy Jean. She's in the back room with baby Tyler in her arms. She's been mm-hmm. shot through the head. The baby is covered in blood. And the neighbor call. You can hear the 911 call. The neighbor calls 911 and she says the baby's not crying. At first she thought the baby was also dead. Thank goodness he was not. Oh, but he yeah. was not crying. He was just completely silent. Laying in oh. his mother's arms in her blood. Oh my God. And what it takes to shoot somebody point blank in the head. Yeah. Holding a baby. You yeah. know, is and who who yeah. who did it take to do that with right. such a clean crime yeah. scene with no evidence? No evidence. With, this comes back to was Chris involved? Yeah, I mean, we've got like a very professional looking crime scene here. Yeah, right. So Chris, who was supposedly a CIA agent, okay. So I mentioned a Brooks. He was not the psychiatrist, psychologist. My bad, guys. He was a district lawyer. Mm. So the district lawyer Brooks. Which is telling, right? He's seen a lot of shit. Yeah. For him to be completely, like, flabbergasted by Janelle. He's like, what the fuck? So he said, when I got my hands on the case file and started trawling through the emails. Can you be any more country? (laughs) When I started trawling through the emails. (laughs) Sorry, Tennessee. I saw Chris's name appear again and again. But it became clear to me pretty quickly that he wasn't a CI agent. Say what? In fact, I began to suspect that he and Janelle were the same person. Uh. He seemed so fixated on her, how sweet and pretty and kind she was. His emails were full of spelling mistakes <laughs> and grammatical words. I don't mean to laugh, but come on, Janelle. Get your shit together. The same kind of errors and mistakes that she would make herself. And the most damning of all, Chris's emails were sent from the same IP address as a Potter's home computer. So she had pretended to be a CIA agent to influence her boyfriend and family to murder the man that she was obsessed with. The woman she had believed stole him from her. Yeah. Holy fuck. That is diabolical. I don't think her intelligence level was as low as a fifth grader. Thank you. Yes. She was sandbagging. She was fucking sandbagging. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, there are definitely forms of unconventional intelligence. Maybe Janelle was not the best speller in the world. Maybe, Maybe she, she wasn't like great math. at math. Yeah, exactly. Yes. 
But the manipulation, the ability to mastermind this. Now, here's the thing. This, a lot of the information, a lot of the details of this crime are so stupid. It's so clear to us what happened. But the thing is, it did actually happen. She was able to push these people that far and create this web of lies. So... To me, when you argue, oh, her IQ was low, she was that, no, she was, she knew exactly what she was doing. She knew exactly what she was doing. And didn't the emails, I mean, like, she was right, <laughs> like, I'm just, this is what I'm saying, this is so stupid, though, because she was like, you have to picture this, it's a fam, it's a family computer, like, in a computer room. <laughs> It's not a laptop. Right. Janelle didn't have her laptop or her phone upstairs. And then, right. like, Barbara had her own thing. It was one computer in a centralized location in their Probably home. Probably the living room. Right. right. And Janelle is, like, writing out, Dear Mom, it's Chris, the CIA agent. Ba-da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> and send. She gets up, goes to the bathroom. Barbara hops on the computer, checks her email. Oh, Chris has written me. I mean, it's coming from the same IP address, but, like, didn't it also come from Janelle's email address? That's true. You know what? I will say, I think she made a new email address. But it wasn't like Chris, the CIA agent at (laughs) Hotmail.com. No. It definitely wasn't from a... No, it was like... That's a good point, yeah. She claimed that he had access to her email and he had access to her Facebook. And that he was afraid of computers or, like, he didn't use them or it was, like, a security thing. So he would write to them through her stuff. And he'd be like, this is Chris. I didn't realize that. Oh, my gosh. I I had heard that on a couple of different, um, like, videos and stuff that had covered this. And they were saying that... It had come from her email, but everybody mm. knew that it was not Janelle because of the way that Chris spoke and the way he wrote, was because it? he used words that Janelle wouldn't use. Like the, she didn't know these See, words. They didn't. Well, one, there's a thesaurus and two, yeah. like they're obvious undermining her or not undermining. What's the word? Uh, underestimating her. And she fucking played into that hardcore. Yeah. Oh, they totally did. They totally did. And I'm sure that she used that to her advantage. And you know what? As we talk about it, like, you know, we had talked about her parents are overprotective and, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe she wanted to live like, you know, her parents kept her in the house. What if homegirl never wanted to leave the house? What if she wanted to always be this like adult child that maybe she didn't want to drive? She didn't want to work. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting that you guys just did the Dee Dee Blanchard murder because, as you as you mentioned, there are so many parallels here, and that is yeah. a case of a lot of the same dynamics turning inwards and and becoming murder, and this is a case of the same dynamics turning outward into I murder. Know. So, I mean, this is such a great sister episode to that. Mm-hmm. Because Janelle definitely was under the thumb of her parents for such a long time, and they controlled so much. And I do wonder how much they told her she she was unhealthy. She had all these problems. She couldn't handle, you know, having employment. She couldn't handle right. having a boyfriend. She couldn't stay out late at night because she, you know, she just she was not like a normal, you know, twenty right. some, thirty some year old woman. Smart enough. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I don't know the dynamics of what her parents were telling mm-hmm. her, but it sounds like, according to the estranged sister, they put all their attention onto Janelle. So I wonder if they were keeping her, I don't know, keeping her small, keeping her at home, like keeping stunted. her yeah. stunted. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Her, their forever child, in a way. She right. would never leave because she couldn't. Right. They told her she couldn't. They convinced her she couldn't. And so Janelle had to turn to social media in order to have an outlet. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, Because mm -hmm. you may be super close to your parents, but like at the end of the day, you have to like express yourself. You have to be around people your age. And if you can't leave the house and if you can't work and you're in this small town that, you know, nobody wants you. They don't want outsiders, you know, and it is hard. It it definitely is. You're going to turn to Facebook, which was the hot thing at the time, um, Mm -hmm. or MySpace or whatever. And that's how you're Mm -hmm. going to connect with people. And, you know, it sounds like Janelle was creating online personalities before the whole situation blew up. She had quite a few different Mm. people that she had created. There was a Matt, Matt Potter, who she claimed was her brother. There was like a Tim that was one of the accounts that would respond to the bull, the online right. bullying, right. which yep. we're pretty sure that Janelle started the online bullying. She put out oh, the absolutely. anonymous post saying, yep. you know, she's she's this terrible person, blah, 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 blah. That's right. And then, you know, her protectors would jump in and it would be this mm-hmm. Matt Potter saying, Janelle is a good girl. She was raised right. Um, and then Chris would jump in and he would say, if you ever touch her, I'm going to kill you. And then mm-hmm. there was like a Tim, mm-hmm. there was a Brian. I mean, she had like a whole portfolio of these people that she had created and who out here is listening especially if you are a millennial especially if you remember that the early era of the internet and of the early era of social media i mean who hasn't kind of like pretended to be somebody else online just a little bit just to see just to like create a fake profile or something you know what i mean so it's like very innocent somewhat like understandable behavior that just starts to build into this really intense situation yeah Yeah. she got so deep and i think also too i think that breaking point was when billy and billy jean was engaged they had that baby because she had a lot of hatred for the baby she had talked about killing the baby there's just such a low tolerance for distress in her case and she had such poor emotional regulation she couldn't deal with this Mm -hmm. not being able to be with this man like that she had a loving boyfriend like he treated her really well it sounded like yeah she didn't want it she did not want it at all yeah she manipulated everybody around her created these lies and and now two people are dead and so like she's very manipulative and then very diabolical but like like most of these killers they always end up getting not always but they end up getting caught eventually like it's just not very well thought out because it's very impulsive yeah i think that if janelle had not i mean 
this is very chicken before the egg. If Janelle had not been born into that family, I don't know that any of this would have happened. But if Janelle did not have the type of parents that she had when she tried to rope them into her manipulation, they would not have played along. And I actually feel really bad for the dad because I know we talked about his delusions with, you know, lying about his military record in the CIA. He did not know how to use the computer. And it really does seem like Janelle was writing as Chris to Barbara to manipulate Buddy. Um, mm. I mean, it's it's very, it, there's multi-levels here because, you know, as yeah. Chris, Janelle is saying, I'm going to get um, Buddy his CIA identification. I already talked to my boss about this, blah, blah, right. blah. And then Barbara would print it out, I'm, I'm assuming, and then show it to Buddy. Yeah. And Janelle was very sneaky in her communications as Chris because she would say that, like, she would tell the parents through Chris that uh, Billy and Billy Jean were drug dealers who wanted to kill Janelle and they needed to watch out because she had a mark on her back and she was next. So she really right. escalated that situation with them. Yes. To Jamie Curd, her boyfriend, as Chris, she's writing, I'm afraid Janelle's going to kill herself over the stress she's under in this situation. So mm-hmm. she really was raising mistakes with everybody. Don't tell me her intelligence was low. She knew she had enough social intelligence to figure out what buttons to press with each individual person. absolutely yeah it was very intentional so janelle did not fire the gun she did not enter the premises at all she was not ever in the crime scene the people who killed billy and billy jean were her father buddy and her boyfriend jamie curd was an accomplice and if we go back to that family tree jamie and billy are cousins yeah He killed his cousin Mm -hmm. and his cousin's fiance in front of his cousin and his cousin's fiance's child. Like, that is so sad. As we process it, are Buddy, Barbara, and Jamie also victims of her manipulation? Because, like you said, had they they done that, had they even cared about this couple, if they weren't, quote-unquote, out to get janelle probably not that's where i find this this case continues to fascinate me and that's where i'm left with a question because my kind of question about all of this was i wrote i wrote this in my notes i wrote did janelle fool barbara or did barbara go along because she enjoyed it oh yeah both (laughs) i think barbara ate that shit no like you said had they not been who they were would they have been roped into it i don't think so i think i think it is chicken and egg right I think if Janelle had a healthier social life, she would have had friends. She would have been able to take the fact that a boy didn't like her, a man didn't like her, and move the forward, right? But because Mm -hmm. she didn't have that, you know, and like we talked about the history of being bullied and having, you know, the being isolated and sheltered growing up. Like, she didn't have the capacity to hold those emotions, Right. So her only way was to go into calling people whores and sluts. and It's really like immature kind of where her mind went with the bullying, yes. the, the kind of like insults that she was throwing not only at herself, but then at the other girls as well. I mean, it was stuff like they're whores, they do drugs, they drink, yeah. and they're HIV positive. Oh, no. like, oh, what? <laughs> It's just, it's stuff that, like, I think the majority of people would be able to shake off as being kind of nonsense. Yeah. But in Janelle's mind, I think a lot of this was actually happening. And 
I think the history of the bullying too was really difficult for her that she almost played out the situation again, yes. you know, her history of, of bullying in high school. So it turns out, you know, cause this Chris guy, he did have pictures. He did have a profile. He had all of this. And it turned out that uh, Janelle had stolen the identity of somebody she had gone to high school with called Chris Jaden mm-hmm. and had used his photos to kind of doctor up a fake Facebook or something. It kind of sounded like he was not her friend or anything like that, but he was one of the people who didn't bully her. Mm. So potentially one of her first sort of like unrequited crushes. Right. Um, and that she had been following him. And what's interesting, too, I mean, it's like she's following this guy from high school who's in a completely different state and using his identity and using his photos when they had not seen each other in 15 years. But she's still thinking about this guy. Right. You know, so it's just like that obsessive thinking. You can see it going way, way back. Oh, yeah. And that's the pattern that she she has with this, uh, this obsession with Billy. And then which I think Mm -hmm. she was able to kind of maintain until he started seeing Billy Jean. And then that shit just went like off and she could not handle. Yeah, it was always a possibility with him until he committed to Billy. And then had the baby and she just could not deal. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that was just. So for her to go to like this level, like that is beyond trauma. That is just that. (laughs) That's like, it's wild. Like if I'm going to look at the DSM-5, she doesn't show antisocial behaviors, but she, homegirl, Mm I don't know. (laughs) These cases always leave me specious at the end. It's like you feel bad for her because so much of the story, you can almost even a little bit relate with her. Just a little bit. At least I can to to some extent. I'm just like, I can relate to the feeling of like being an outsider, having a hard time making friends, living most of your life (laughs) online. Like, you know, that's what I do. I just stay in my house all day and I'm like on Instagram and on YouTube. And I'm like, I'm talking to people through a camera and I love that. But there is, there's a disconnect there sometimes. And you can easily get lost in that world if you don't know how to pull yourself out of it. And so for a lot of the story, I can understand and empathize with her. But at the end of the day, her father is in jail serving two life term like sentences because he was the one who pulled the trigger. Jamie Curd, her now I'm assuming ex-boyfriend, is also serving. He's still in jail. I think he got a plea deal because he turned around on them pretty quickly and helped. Yeah, he helped. He helped testify against them. But he's in jail. Mm -hmm possibly not going to get parole, you know, possibly going to die in there. Her mother is in jail, probably going to die in there. She is in jail and two people are dead. A baby is left Mm -hmm. without parents. A family Mm -hmm. is torn apart. I can only feel so bad for her up into a point. It just went so, so far, so fast. And I do empathize when we look at the odds it was against her. But to this level of planning and manipulation, that's where I'm like, there was a space where you could have just stopped, right? Like, just really stopped. Because she really pulled in her parents. And again, she really played on her parents' weakness. Knowing that the CIA thing would get her dad worked up. Well, yeah, it's those seeds of manipulation and that shared delusion. 
she very likely brought in a CIA agent because she had spent so many years exactly. hearing her dad about lie, essentially, yeah. or be obsessed about potentially being in the CIA. And she knew, like I said, she knew mm-hmm. the specific buttons to press with mm-hmm. each person. And I think that, like I, I said earlier, like a yeah. shared delusion between the whole family, she played in on everybody's Absolutely. weakness. So don't tell me she's not intelligent. All of that online evidence that we talked about, it showed really how involved Barbara and Janelle were in plotting, plotting the murder of Billy and Billie Jean. So both women are found guilty on all charges and both sentenced to life in prison. However, Janelle continues to proclaim her innocence from behind bars saying i went through a lot with billy and billy jean but i never wish them dead i never want them dead the blatant lies she had let me find it (laughs) (laughs) she had posts that she'd written under pen names including one to billy jean that was again traced through the ip address so yes it wasn't it didn't Mm -hmm. say i am janelle but it was under her ip that said fuck you and billy and your fucking so-called little baby fuck them i hope they die 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 and that baby ma'am you cannot yeah she was really fixated on the on the baby i mean it's actually a miracle that he survived and i think that was if it was up to her I think she would have killed all of them. I think it was Buddy and and Jamie, again, killing the two fucking cold-blooded is awful. But I think with them, they're like, the baby had nothing to do with it. Where she didn't have that capacity. Like, she hated the baby as much as them because the baby also was a barrier to being with Billy. Right. Right. (sighs) No man is worth this, like, at all. (laughs) Sorry. No, no. And um, I think she still maintains that Chris is a real person. Yes. I watched the dateline. So, (laughs) friends, homies, there's a dateline on this this particular case. And, yeah, the the interviewer was like, so, pretty much was like, where on the street is your Chris? And she was like, no. (laughs) Like, straight up. And she's like, no, no, he's real. And he's like, oh, really? all of a sudden just started crying and just played complete victim and then her lawyer was with her was like we're done with this interview and then they she went back to her cell he's like janelle we have the ip address i know How can you real? sit here and say that he's a real person yeah somebody seriously. broke into my house yeah. <laughs> so just they hacked or something i don't know yeah yeah that is a story, and that is the murder of Billy and Billy Jean. So now people of Mountain City don't talk about any of this, and they pretend that it's not there, but the scars are still there. People lock their doors now, and now sweet baby Tyler doesn't have his parents with them all because of this inability to... I don't know. I don't know. Deal with unfriending and rejection, essentially. You know, unrequited love, like you said, Kelly. The themes of this, it's just, like we said, it's a wild ride. I mean, we have, yes, we have catfishing. Yes, we have Facebook murders. Yes, we have unfriending drama. All of that is really, like, 
kind of funny, kind of, you know, it, it, it pulls you in. It's right. definitely clickbait. Mm-hmm. But when you go deeper into the story, it's that shared delusion between the family. It's the heartbreak of a naive, sheltered young woman who has no other outlet for her feelings and right. has not really been taught how to properly oh, deal with that we've got people being taken for a fool we've got poor uh jamie curd being pulled into this mess who's just looking for love Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. i mean as much as there it kind of seems weird from the outside that the dynamic of that relationship with janelle and him being much older he did seem like he really cared for her and he was really willing to work with her and try to win over her parents and Right. And, you know, just get in with that family and get good and because he really cared. If you don't care for somebody, you're not going to spend all that time fixing the family computer <laughs> right. and being like, I'm a good guy and let's hang out. I right. mean, he eventually did become a family friend. So he was really working, you know, that mm-hmm. angle because he really cared for her. He got pulled into this. I mean, manipulation. We've got bullying. We've got trolling. We've got harassment. We've got fake identities uh, there's just so much to this story when you first sent it to me i told you i couldn't follow what was happening <laughs> i couldn't keep everybody straight and yeah. i was like wait what happened wait what happened <laughs> what then the, then what happened who did it mm-hmm. it's just so many layers here and i just kind of became slightly obsessed with this because the deeper you go i mean like i want to go into each and every character in this story right. because there's just so many layers here but at the end of the day, I think it is a story of a of a young woman who is being sheltered so much to the point where the only thing she knows how to do is manipulate mm-hmm. her parents. The only thing she knows how to do is to create stories in her head because she is so lonely yeah. and she took it online. Absolutely. You know? And has she not taken it online, who knows? Yeah. And not involved real people. Mm-hmm. She could have written a really good role-playing game or something. I was going to say, this would have been a dope-ass, like, James Patterson collab. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's, it's strange, like, what is it? Uh, something stranger than fiction. What's that saying? I don't know. Reality or life. It's life is stranger yeah. than it's, fiction. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You can't write this stuff. You can't. No, no author would have come up with this. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> the end. Bye. Kelly, thank you for riding that ride with me. You did such a beautiful job in reeling me in because that was a that would have been a deep, deep dark hole. <laughs> oh, I'm stuck in it. I'm still in it. <laughs> I really appreciate yeah, the details. Thank you so much. That was so much fun. I really appreciate you coming on and <laughs> working through that with me. I always do this to Nao. I'm like, Nao, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, you had some really, really awesome points about Janelle's coming from, where the family's coming from. So, yeah, I loved having you on. And make sure you guys you. check her out. Where can yeah. the homies find you? So, yeah, so my podcast is called The Journey, a self-care podcast. You can find that probably wherever you're listening to this. I'm on everything. Um, So look me up. Um, We're all about deep self-care and personal development topics. And if you're into skincare or beauty reviews, you can come over to YouTube. Just search me out, Kelly Driscoll. I'm also on Instagram. And I just started a TikTok. I don't know what I'm doing over there, but (laughs) I'm on that as well. So, yeah, just search Kelly Driscoll. You'll find me. Awesome. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. All right, homies. Till next time. Peace. Bye. 
Thank you for joining us and be sure to come back next week where we continue to explore true crime, psychology, the paranormal, mental health, and everything in between. We would love to hear from you. So email us at millennialtherapistspod at gmail.com with your ghost stories, paranormal experiences, questions about therapy and counseling, or the social work field. And don't forget to share, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Remember, you are valued, you are enough, and you are not alone. Please subscribe and review. Bye-bye. Although we are licensed mental health therapists and may cover therapy-related subjects, the topics in this podcast should not substitute professional, psychological, or medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you are a victim of a crime which includes but not limited to stalking, human trafficking, financial crimes, or sexual assault, please know the Victim Connect Resource Center can help. They are a referral helpline where crime victims can learn about their rights and options confidentially and compassionately. A traditional telephone-based helpline is 1-855-4-VICTIM or 1-855-4-842846. Or you can connect with them at chat.victimconnect.org or at the website victimconnect.org. If you or someone you know is in crisis, whether they are considering suicide or not, please call the toll-free lifeline available 24-7 across the United States by calling one 800 273 8255 or visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org. U.S. and Canadian listeners can also text HOME to 741-741 to connect with a trained crisis counselor. U.K. listeners text HOME to 85258 and Ireland listeners text HOME to 50808. For more mental health resources and support, international listeners can visit the website unitedgmh.org slash mental-health-support to find more mental health services and resources. And if you are a veteran in crisis or concerned about one, connect with the Veteran Crisis Line to reach caring, qualified responders with the Department of Veterans Affairs at 1-800-273-8255 and press 1 or text 838-255. Or you can always visit veteranscrisisline.net. If you or anyone you know may be experiencing domestic violence, you can find resources and support with the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Visit thehotline.org or call 1-800-799-7233.